what would you say if I said that I could bring them back? I guess I'd say I never thought of that. Well, alright, hold tight, you might want to stand back, because one small John is coming intact. St. John forward, spitting out some more words, fully intact, jacked, ready to rap and attack. Small John on your lawn, living like a gnome, hit you with my lyrics like a bullet to your dome. The night when he comes up here, he's either gonna kill or he's gonna suck. But there's no in between for Mr. John Forward. microphone just came off the uh the hanger before uh moments before coming on the air so apologies for that everybody welcome to saint john forward radio i'm your host john forward host slash microphone control arm repairman that's odd um yeah so I'm here at uh in the lovely local 107.3 FM studio in the University of New Brunswick St. John campus. Uh if you're uh just listening to audio, it's either on the radio there or maybe you're listening to uh the audio podcast at johnforward.podbean.com. Um you can also see video of this. Um I did remove one video that contained some confederate flags in a guest background wasn't a fan um but uh anyway video streams out uh live on uh facebook john forward comedy uh youtube i think you also search for john forward comedy on there every monday night from nine to ten o'clock atlantic canadian time that's where we're at um if uh, if you're ever listening, and uh, as occasionally happens, I do uh, I do screw up the audio when I play a song. Sometimes, well, sometimes I forget because there's a there's a different uh, which reminds me. Um, you know, it the the, uh, the songs go out on the uh, on the radio, but uh, the way that we've got this thing set up in the studio here is not conducive to that, so I need to share the actual tab with the audio, but I turn off the video there for it. So anyway, the StreamYard doesn't pick up the computer audio. None of you need to know this. I don't know why I'm telling you. Um, I am uh, I'm officially finished my, uh, my first week of vacation this year, I think. I don't think I took a full week off before since December, I don't think. Uh, I've had a few long weekends here and there, but uh, it was uh, it was nice to have the time off. Um, but also, um, I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but I don't know. Um, taking vacation time is kind of a, a double-edged sword. I mean, I, I don't feel like... I get to do a whole lot less. It just feels like I need to do all kinds of extra work in the lead up to the vacation to get everything ready. And then when I come back from vacation, I've got a big pile of one bajillion emails to catch up on. And I've got to fix all of the, uh, the stuff that was, uh, that was messed up in the previous week without my watchful eye and dutiful double checking. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I'm basically get stuck just having a super annoying week before and after, uh, after a vacation. So on the whole, 
doesn't feel like uh, I've. Anyway, apparently uh, it was a bit of a it was a bit of an S show at the office uh, for the most part last week. Um, the internet went out on Friday at work, so I'm kind of glad I wasn't there for that. I uh, I'm not on Rogers, so didn't really affect me from home. Um, didn't do a whole lot throughout the week. Um, I think I commented last week that it was kind of weird. Typically, I book vacation that, um, it's, it's weird to have like a long weekend and then a week of vacation. It's, I don't know, it was weird. Um, so yeah, I went camping over the Canada Day weekend and then last week didn't really have any plans. I mostly, uh, stayed home, uh, didn't accomplish a whole lot, um, I've I've decided I played some video games, so I uh, I've I've put a pin in uh, Elden Ring for now. Um, didn't get to uh, check off as many boxes as I had hoped for. I had, uh, you know, I, I, I fumbled kind of my process of uh, uploading my uh, my save file to the cloud so that I could re-download it and get the different endings of the game. Um, screwed something up. Uh, so anyway, if, if I want to come back to it, if I want to get that, uh, that juicy platinum trophy, I'm going to have to, uh, to start a new game plus, which I'm not prepared to do after like 180 hours of an initial playthrough. Uh, maybe if they put out some, uh, downloadable content, I'll go back to that. But anyway, I, I've decided to hang up my Elden Ring. Um, I uninstalled it from the PlayStation. I can get it back, but, uh, you know, add, add the extra barrier. I've got some other stuff to, uh, to catch up on. So that's, uh, that's what I did. I mowed my lawn, got out the whippersnipper. Um, my bike is still stolen, so I never got to ride that around. Uh, didn't do a drop of exercise all week. Um, normally when I've got the week off, I make an effort to, uh, you know, Perhaps use the exercise bike that I spent many hundreds of dollars on that's in my house. Uh, maybe go for a walk somewhere. I mean, I, I did walk. Uh, yeah, I think I walked home from uptown after uh, after after something or other. Um, so I guess I got a little bit of exercise in there. Um, but yeah, didn't go to any yoga classes. It's been it's been a few weeks. I'm slacking on that. Um, but, uh, anyway, it was, it was nice just to have, uh, have the break and to, uh, smoke myself senseless for the most part of the week. Um, had a couple of shows. I did, uh, I did the, uh, Shane Ogden's Pub Down Under show on, uh, on Tuesday. That happens every two weeks, so not tomorrow, but, uh, the week after. I think that's going to be the 19th if you want to check that out. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun room. It's a tough room. Um, cause, uh, a lot of, it's not very well advertised if I'm being honest. Um, and, uh, the vast majority of the audience there is there for, uh, wings and or fish and chips. And, uh, that's not the best, uh, combo for comedy, but it makes us work a little bit harder. It's not like you can't do well. I haven't been, I've been, I've been at some of those shows where, a lot of people ate it, including myself. But I don't think I've been at a show where everyone ate it. So 
There is even on the even on the rough nights. There's there's sometimes somebody just has the right skills, or maybe it's the right set at the right time to uh, to cut through the chatter. But uh, it's uh, it's 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 fun to do. Um, you got to work a little bit harder to get the attention, and then once you have the attention, to actually get some laughs out of it. So. Um, I I appreciate the struggle. It's kind of demoralizing sometimes in the short term, but you know you don't get better at comedy if you uh, if you don't ever fail. Um, anybody that uh, anybody that you that you see doing comedy that never has a bad set is probably not a very good comedian. Um, that's that's my uh, humble opinion. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, it was a fun show on Tuesday. I was actually this is something. Um, I was uh, I'm, I was working on my set that I'm uh, that I'm planning on doing this weekend, where I'll be uh, opening for Scott Belford at Punchlines Comedy Club, Friday the fifteenth and Saturday the sixteenth. Uh, Punchlines Comedy Club. You can look them up online. Buy some tickets. Come see me. Come see Scott. Come see the other guys. I forget their names. Still haven't looked them up. I've got one of the guys has a video on YouTube on my play on my uh, watch later list. Maybe that's something I can play on the show later. We'll we'll experience it together. Um, and that requires a whole new way of. Uh, anyway, that's complicated. I'm not going to get into the technical details, but uh, I wanted to to run my set. But uh, there was there was a new guy who was doing his first ever set, and uh, he went up uh, a few people before me, and uh, was was doing pretty good for a first set, and especially in that room. And um, one one of the bits that I was planning on trying out that night, throughout his set, he kind of hit some some similar notes. Um, I'm fairly confident this guy has never seen me perform comedy at all, let alone that bit. So I, I'm not accusing anybody of stealing anything. Um, but, uh, I'm watching this guy's set and he has a few keywords that I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I say that phrase, it's not really a huge, important part of the premise or anything, but, you know, interesting. And then there's, like, another kind of slight shade of my same bit, and then another thing, and then another thing. And then I'm like, oh, well, I mean, we're getting real close to, like, one of the big punchlines that I have in the bit. I mean, he's already basically done the setup, there's no way that he's going to come up with the uh, the amazing tag to that. Oh, no, there it is. So, and that's, it got a huge, the line that he said that I'm not going to spoil because I'm still going to do the bit this weekend. Um, the line that is the same joke as the one that's in my bit got a huge laugh. And that's what he closed with. So I'm like, Ugh. I mean, I'm still, I, I have, you know, if if I needed to go to comedy court, I've got myself on record doing this bit before if I need to ever defend myself. But to the audience and to the new guy, it would be very, very weird for like, a I don't know how long I've been doing comedy, more than a decade. One guy's first 
set ever, and he does pretty good and gets a big pop at the end on a particular punchline. And then to have uh, a more, a slightly more seasoned comedian go up later on in the same show and have the exact same punchline would have been weird. So I'm in a bit of a spiral. I'm like, well, what, how, what? My only concern is doing the bit that night. I mean, I'm probably, I mean, I'm not going to completely put it on a shelf, but I'm going to, I'm going to put a pause on the bit after, uh, after this weekend at punchlines, just because uh, I've been working on it for a few months and I'm getting a little sick of it, to be honest. Um, but, uh, to do it on that show was going to be strange and I wasn't really sure how to, how to handle it. And I had a couple of people that were going up in between to give me some time to think about it. And like what I came up with was like, okay, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, at the beginning of my set, I'm going to acknowledge the new guy and I'm going to acknowledge that, um, that one of the upcoming lines in the following set is going to be very close to, uh, to something that he said, and then, you know, the funny part of the explanation was going to be that I don't know whether I should commend this, uh, this young lad for coming up with the same idea as a hilarious veteran comedian as myself, or if I should be kicking myself for coming up with a punchline that is the same as some brand new guy doing his first ever set. And then, uh, and then I was going to do the bit. And when I got to the part, I was going to be like, yeah, see, and like kind of acknowledge it, um, that, and then that got thrown out the window because this guy after, uh, during the person set that was on right before me, this guy was, the new guy was with a couple of friends who, uh, who uh, who had to who had to leave before the show was done, and so they all went outside, and I thought that he was gone with them. So I'm like, well, I can't even do my setup now because like the the guy isn't even here to hear it. So I decided to uh, completely abandon that part of uh, that part of the set because there wasn't really any way of me presenting it decided to do some crowd-pleasing abortion material instead, which actually went reasonably well, considering the uh, the content of it. That's not going to make an appearance at Punchlines this weekend. It's not quite ready for, this, for that stage yet. Um, but uh, so I decide, well, I'm, I'm just going to do the second half of my set and then I'll I'll do abortion stuff at the end after that. But I still had the, uh, when I first came on stage, I had kind of a, I don't know why I even bothered, because the guy wasn't in the room, but I had kind of the rambly, even more rambly version of what I just said of the explanation about the new guy and how I can't do my bit now. Um, trying not to be, like, salty about it. I'm trying to, you know address the the humor of the situation um so i have that whole that basically the same explanation that i just gave you and then i did the second half of the set and then the new guy came back in and like part of me was like oh well he's here now so i can do but it's back the like the the two halves of my set i mean there's there's they're they're unrelated but the way that i structured it it kind of makes more sense to do this one and then that one but for a minute i was like well i just did like part two 
can I go back and do part one now? But then, like, I already did the explanation part about how it was the same punchline as he had. And, I and like, I don't want to explain it to him again and have everybody sit through my not-very-funny rambling explanation about how this new guy had a similar joke to me. Um, so, anyway, I was a little bit scatterbrained, but, the, the you know, the abortion stuff went pretty good, I think. Um, still needs some work, but, you know... It went better than it went last time I did the same material, and it went better than it did the time before, and that time went better than the time. It gets a little bit, it gets a little bit less dicey each time that I that I bust it out. I'm still, I'm still trying to crack that nut. Um. So anyway, and then after the show, I had to, I, I mustered with every ounce of my being how I can kind of explain the situation to this new guy without sounding like a, hey, that's my thing. You better not be. I mean, I don't want to intimidate the new person out of it. So, you know, I couched it and I complimented him and said that he had a good set. And I, I tried to explain you know, the connection, I'm like, oh yeah, you, I, I was almost going to do a set that has like this exact same punchline. And I kind of explained like my version of it, not in a like, Hey, this is mine back off, buddy. What I meant was I, and I think I said, I mean, just, just so you know, if you see me do comedy in the future, I didn't steal it from you. That's that's. I didn't want this new guy to think that uh, he did his first ever set and got a big laugh on one of his punchlines, and then one of the other comedians just took it from him. I'm sure that has happened before, not in New Brunswick that I'm aware of, but that's a thing that happens, and if it happened to me, I'd be pretty salty about it. So I, I wanted to get ahead of it and tell this guy, if you ever see me do that bit... I thought of it on my own. It's not because I stole it from you. I did not. I did not accuse him of stealing it from me. I don't think there's any possibility of that. Um, but I mean, it's close enough that if I were him, and the same situation happened to me, I would be suspicious, and I'd probably do a full episode about it and call the take this guy out who stole my joke. Um, but anyway, that was that was an interesting situation. Um, what else happened? I, d I did another show on, uh, Friday, I think, or was it Saturday? It was Saturday on, at the, uh, where is it? Long Bay Brewery in, uh, Rossay on the Mar Road. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was okay. It was a, it was, it was a fun hang with the other comedians, uh, you know, RF and Brian, my comedy brothers were there, of course, and Matt Keenan was putting it on. Uh, Margot Landry, Matt White, and John Scove Nielsen were down from Moncton doing the show. So it was good to hang out with them. John Scove Nielsen just got back from, uh, from Austin. He did some, uh, some shows with Jason Rouse. So got to hear a little, some tales about that. That was fun. Um, it's a very small venue. It's in a brewery. I think there was maybe, if we're lucky, there was, 10 people in the audience, but it was, it was, it was a small space. There was, I was going to go out and sit in the, cause we were kind of off to the side in our, in our uh, cool kids green room. I was going to go sit in the main room to fill up some seats cause it's very demoralizing when there's a bunch of empty tables at a comedy show. Um, but when I stuck my head out, um, there, they weren't full, but there were at least people at each table. So there wasn't really anywhere for me to sit unless I was just going to, awkwardly sit with one of the uh the audience members so anyway 
that was uh and you know my 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 set that i did that i'm gonna do at punchlines it went okay it kind of that i mean i don't know the 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 kiss of death with practicing a set for a show is uh if you bomb with it then i'm like oh man this is gonna bomb on the big show but i mean that same well most of the part that i'd skipped was was the the one that i did in the moncton show that i played the clip from last week that went like one of the best sets of my life so to 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 balance out doing the same material in one room is just amazing and then doing the same set in another room where it's just kind of uh, it, it messes with your head a little bit so anyway that's what's uh that's what's happening comedy wise uh had uh, had a coffee with uh, Mandy Lynn Donovan fellow uh, local I think she still has a show on here on local FM uh hadn't talked to her since before covid i think so anyway we had some coffee had some chats she uh got me a, a space suit i haven't tried it on yet it looked a little small but i'll try it on um yeah had a convo uh she's she's doing um she's doing some sort of tv show I honestly i haven't seen it it's a talk show i don't know if it's on bell or rogers some local access thing but uh you know she invited me to come on, so I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to uh, to being on local public access TV. Uh, they were actually filming an episode to this afternoon, but I had to uh, had to work, so that wasn't an option. But uh, they're uh, they're filming some more episodes in September, so hopefully I can get in on that. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, I guess in a, as a segue into the first musical break, um, I, uh, I I discovered some some new to me music this past week that I'm pretty excited about. It's not new to many people. Um, I listen to uh, I don't listen to every episode. It depends on what album they're covering. But uh, comedian Josh Adam Myers has a podcast called the Five Hundred Podcast. And the, the premise is, I guess, in 2012, I think Rolling Stone came up with a list of like the top 500 albums of all time. They've since come out with a, a revised list, but he's sticking with the 2012 list. So each week, starting from number 500 and working his way down, usually as guests, usually other comedians. Sometimes there's other people I listen to. Uh, um, I played a Soundgarden song last week off Super Unknown. That album was on there, and he had uh, Kim... What's his last name? Thiel? Thiel? I don't know. Anyway, guitar player from Soundgarden on. But it's usually uh, comedians that are the guests. Um, so anyway, I pop in on that podcast if it's an album that I already know and like, or if it's something that I'm curious about, and I'll, I'll listen to the album, then I'll listen to the podcast. And uh, the 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 most recent episode that I listened to uh, covered Creedence Clearwater Revival's album "Willie and the Poor Boys," um, which I mean, I think I like every CCR song I've ever heard, but I just know the like the singles, um, the the big ones from that album that you're probably familiar with that I'm not going to play here because we don't like playing the hits on local FM. Um, the, uh, the big ones on, uh, on that one are, uh, 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 Fortunate Son. That's, that's a pretty huge song that I've, that's in every Vietnam movie. 
Down on the Corner, uh, classic rock radio staple. Um, Midnight Special, I think that's more of a low key. I think it's still a, a hit. I've definitely heard that song before. It's probably a radio song. But uh, anyway, I've, I've, I've discovered CCR. That's the only full album I've listened to. I think I, uh, I remember John Fogarty was on the WTF podcast a little, like a couple of years ago. And I think I might've, maybe I listened to it then. I think I might've listened to a CCR album back then, or maybe a solo John Fogarty album. But, uh, I believe this was the, uh, the first time that I heard, uh, what was it again? Willie and the poor boys. Um, so I'm going to, uh, Every song on that album is really good, so I recommend you check it out. And uh, for now, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play uh, more of a deeper cut. It's one I, I really enjoyed. I hadn't heard it before this weekend, um, and um, now that I'm back to work after being off for uh, seven or well, a full week plus an extra Friday the week before for the Canada Day long weekend. I'm feeling blue on St. John Forward Radio. Eventually. There we go. It's a good song. Things are piling 
Moon Blue by CCR on St. John Forward Radio. Coming at you live here on local 107.3 FM on your dial. Or maybe you're listening on YouTube or Facebook or Podbean. Facebook and YouTube. Maybe they uh, maybe they block this uh, this episode because of that song. I don't know. It's it's kind of a crapshoot how the copyright uh, usually it's just demonetized on YouTube, uh, Facebook. I usually get a notification that uh, my video is not playable in seventy nine countries, and Canada's not one of them. So sorry, Algeria fans, if out there, if you're listening. Um, According to the Podbean stats, I've got a couple international listeners that might be just some sort of bouncing. There's all these podcast service. I get emails constantly. I don't know how many of them are legit and how many of them are just sending out blanket phishing emails to everybody with a podcast on Earth. Um, like, hey, you should be part of the, the Acast community or something. Or, I don't know, that's one of them, but there's there's like a dozen of them. And uh, every now and then I get a huge spike in numbers, but not any particular episode. So I assume it's just some something just downloads the whole catalog in one batch, like one of each episode, and then just it lives on the internet somewhere, which I'm fine with. They're not stealing my intellectual property because i make zero dollars off the show um uh mandy lynn was telling me that you know i should become a professional broadcaster she says i'm good at it i don't know she's probably just blow, blowing smoke up my butt but uh i uh, i like doing this but not it's it doesn't seem like it's a a solid career move i feel like radio's on its way out and uh you know I went all in on podcasting over the pandemic when nobody else had anything to do and didn't really help me out much. I got a little bit of a boost from having uh, the PPC hate monsters on, um, but I mean, you can look at the YouTube page. Like Maxime Bernier, I think, was my biggest episode, and that was like 400-something views on YouTube, which is good for me. Um I'm not. I'm not going to be getting partnerships with Coca-Cola on those kind of numbers. Um, but I don't know. It would. It would be nice to to be able to properly research stuff and present, you know, more original content beyond my uh, my rambling. Uh, I like doing the more newsy stuff, but you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to put into this stuff, so it's not as good as it could be. Um, but I have fun doing it. But I don't know. I uh, I would prefer doing this than my day job, but uh, doesn't seem to be an option unless you uh, unless you're a talent scout out there looking for hot new sort of problematic radio content. Then I'm your man. Um, but uh, you know it, this is a this is a good excuse for me if there's a news item that uh, that comes up. Um, then uh, it gives me an excuse to uh, to kind of look into it a little bit. Uh, I don't always get to take as deep of a dive as I would like to. Um, you know, I, I think I did a pretty good job with the one about the Nova Scotia shooting a couple weeks ago. Um, I enjoyed uh, taking a deep dive into the racist underbelly of the Freedom Convoy back in February. Um, I've taken great joy in, uh, in, uh, taking down some of the COVID stuff and, uh, reading, uh, you know, 
reading up on the actual research and poking holes in it. So I've been seeing uh, on Twitter for a couple of weeks these uh, these Dutch farmers are protesting something or other, and I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about it. It's not. Um, I think. I, th- I think it's got kind of peripheral mainstream attention. Um, my dear wife, May, is vaguely familiar with it, and she's mostly uh, not into the deep rabbit holes that I am. So it, it has uh, it has broken out into, uh, you know, into mainstream circles, but I don't know what kind of coverage it's getting. I, I, uh, I mostly, I started with, uh, I saw an article from Al Jazeera, that's where I started. There was like a 25-minute video, which I'll, uh, I'll put the link to in the uh, in the show description. Um, might take me a couple of days. By Wednesday, it'll be in the uh, description. So um, I wanted to know what was going on. So th- this has uh, this piqued my interest, obviously, because you know there's uh, it's it's given me the feels from the uh, from the Freedom Convoy, which I was uh, which I was a big fan of. I make no secret of. So th- this seems like kind of a similar. I guess a populist uprising, which I mean, that's that's used as kind of a dirty word. I'm not, I, I don't fully understand why popular. It just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see what the difference between populism and democracy. I don't, I don't know why one's a dirty word and the other one's not. If it's the popular thing that the people want, isn't that? I mean, isn't that how this thing is supposed to work? Anyway. Um, the, the farmers are protesting. There's lots of, uh, farm tractors being driven down highways. There's some cool pictures. Um, they, they're also like setting fire to hay bales on the side of the road and like blocking off food distribution centers, which I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fully on board with. Uh, I don't know. I, from what I, I'm not sure if I'm fully on board with, I mean, I like the idea of it, but you know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of nooks and crannies to this thing. Um, I, I I I am on the the farmer's side by default, but I think some of this anyway. We'll get into it. So um, the Dutch farmers are protesting. It ha- it has since uh, spilled out into uh, you know. There's some po- the Polish farmers are getting in on the action. Uh, Italians. Germans, uh, this is uh, this is seems to be a big thing going through Europe right now, and uh, what um, what the what the Dutch farmers are uh, currently upset about is that uh, apparently the uh, the government established some kind of uh, you know climate targets, or I don't know if this is climate or just general kind of pollution-y stuff. They weren't really talking about climate change in any of the stuff that I saw. Um, but they had uh, they had some targets to hit to get their uh, nitrogen emissions down. Um, and again, this isn't like a global warming type situation. The angle, the, the environmentalist angle on this particular thing seems to be apparently the nitrogen emissions from raising like livestock and all the fertilizer and everything that comes with it is uh, is putting a lot of uh, nitrogen into the ground which is hurting the di- biodiversity 
and uh, what apparently whatever targets were, you know, governments do this, they make a big show of by we're going to reduce or blah, 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 by this many percentages by this date. And it's all politicians that don't know nothing about nothing. And um, so I guess their targets weren't met. So now they're taking a more heavy-handed approach, and uh, they're they're demanding that uh, that the farmers um, reduce. It depends. It varies by where they are, but uh, some of these farms are going to have to reduce their nitrogen by between like. 50 and some of them up to like 90 percent which uh is going to devastate many of them they can't really run their farms with with these targets in place and uh, of course the government has some good advice for these farmers they're giving them three options um one is to switch from raising livestock to uh farming crops instead or they can move their farm or they can just quit being farmers, which that third one is, that's, well, that's weird to be like an official, here's one of your three options. You can just quit and stop. Um, so uh, anyway, the, the, the interview on Al, Al Jazeera that I, that I watched, the, uh, the person that was kind of the, uh, the government uh, spokesperson was, was talking about how in the Netherlands they have like a biodiversity crisis and uh, this lady, I don't remember what her name is, uh, she says that this is the uh, the result of the government looking the other way, um, which tends to be how these heavy-handed mandate-type things from governments go. Somebody acts as if, right up until now, we've lived in pure libertarian anarchy and the government just refused to act. So now we're going to take action when the reality is they've just been typically with these kind of things, with all kinds of uh, government programs that many of them have good intentions, at least on paper. It's usually they identify a problem. They usually misidentify the cause of the problem. But anyway, they identify a problem and then they have a solution for that problem. But then the solution causes new problems, so they need a solution to solve that problem that was created by solving the first problem, and then that has all kinds of unintended consequences, so somebody needs to come in and solve this new problem, and it just becomes a domino of fixing the problem that happened before the current problem that happened before the current problem that happened before the current problem, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling self prophecy where the the government tankers and makes things worse and then they're like well if we don't do anything look how bad it is and then just but there's never any accountability when they when they do it wrong um so in in this case uh and i don't know if this is true or not but the uh, the lady that was like the pro um this this new rule um, in addition to saying that this is because the government up until now was just looking the other way and refusing to take actions. Um, she said that most of these uh, cattle farmers, I think that's most of them dairy, um, like 50% of their income is based on government subsidies, which if that's true, um, 
I, I, I believe that's plausible. So that seems to be a case of the government throws a bunch of money at something, which is subsidizing farms or certain farms or certain types of farms to address some previous problem. Maybe they had a shortage of, they, they weren't producing enough dairy and beef or whatever, so the government subsidized it. But then that led to an increase in nitrogen stuff. So now the government needs to create a new thing to solve the previous problem that it created. Um, but uh, so that that's a piece of it. Again, I I don't I don't understand uh, Netherlands agriculture after looking on the internet for an hour and a half very much, but. That seems plausible that part of the issue was that these farms were being subsidized and now it's become a problem. So I don't know what the reason was back when they started subsidizing them, but uh, this is kind of the game of kind of central planning government intervention is nobody wants to just leave it be. Nobody wants to leave it to the free market to sort out. The explanation is that the free market can't sort it out, and that'll lead to insane warlords and monopolies. So we don't want violent monopolies, so we need to create a government department of violent monopolies. Um, so anyway, th- this this is if if there is the nitrogen problem, which I'm I'm not a I'm not a climate change denier. I do have a science background. I understand there is such a thing as as climate change, Um, especially in more recent years. The amount of it and the reasons for it, and especially the solutions being proposed, I'm very skeptical about. But, I mean, industry, and there's more there's more people than there ever has been. And, you know, at least in North America in particular, we're very wasteful, but I mean, there's a bajillion people in India and China, which is a huge piece of it. So, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it because this one country over here says, well, why should we do anything? Because unless, cause these other people are worse. And that just kind of leads to a, a situation where nobody does anything. And I'm not, a hundred percent well versed in the uh, the libertarian or the anarchist argument for environmentalism. That I'm not sure exactly how a free market would respond to it, but I do have faith that it could do better than any government program. But uh, if if um, if the fact that the Netherlands farmers are, uh, are are raising cows more than crops, and that's leading to environmental problems, that could very well be the case. But I would like to know what, how much these were being subsidized, why the subsidies came in. I mean, this this isn't really a problem that is being caused by the cattle farmers. This is a pro- I mean, if nobody was buying their stuff, then they wouldn't do it. If nobody was buying beef, nobody was buying dairy, then there'd be no in- there'd be more incentive for these people to uh, to raise crops. And I-, I think just there's probably been a million little tiny government infer- in- interventions that have 
screwed everything up. Again, it's probably we did this thing and that created this and then this and then this and then this. That seems to be what happened. But I mean, I, I do I do get the the environmental argument. Again, I'm I'm very I'm almost left wing on many 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 topics. Usually, I I don't think the left wing people are wrong when they identify that there's a certain problem in the world. Um, I usually disagree with whose fault it is maybe how much of a problem it is and certainly what we should do about it. Cause they're very dumb on that. Um, but in, in this situation, I, I do understand the argument for growing crops instead of raising livestock. I mean, it's, it's very, I'm a meat eater. I should be a vegetarian. I'm just lazy. I enjoy vegetarian food. Um, I, this isn't, and this isn't a moral question for me. I, I don't have any qualms about murdering an animal and, and putting it in my face, but, uh, I don't want to do it directly. I'll hire somebody else to do that division of labor. Um, but, uh, I, there, there is an argument that eating meat is inefficient. Um, cause basically the, I'm not a biologist. I have taken some biology courses, but Basically, each step along the way in the food chain, it becomes less efficient. So if the sun beams down and grows a plant, that plant has a certain amount of energy in it that if you ate the plant, you would get that much energy. But then if an animal eats that plant, that's going, if you eat the animal, it's only going to have some fraction because energy gets lost each step of the way. So you're only going to get a certain percentage of the resources of the, certainly the plant gets a piece of the sun and then the animal gets a piece of the plant. And then if you're eating a carnivore, you're getting a piece of the animal who ate the plant, who got its energy from the sun. So each, the further away that you go, the less efficient it goes. And I've, I've seen the diagrams of, you know, like the stomach and how like, uh, this many calories is this big pile of vegetables in this disembodied stomach and you feel full eating all of that stuff. But you know, this many grams of protein or something as beef is only like this little bit. So you're more hungry. So you tend to overeat. I, I don't fully comprehend it, but that stuff makes sense to me. Um, so I, I, I get why, Somebody might prefer these farmers to be growing crops rather than raising cows. But the, well, first off, this might not have been a problem without prior government interventions. It might not have been a problem without these subsidies. Um, but usually the subsidies happen because some lobbyist decided to, you know, wanted some special treatment and some free money from the government. So that's, that's probably what happened. But I, I really, I really feel like if this was kind of left to the market, I mean, it's the, the problem is the demand. It's not in the farmers who are producing it. It's that people want to buy it. And apparently the, and there was a bit of an argument in the, uh, the interview that I saw where, you know, the trucker was saying that, you know, the, the Netherlands exports a whole ton of uh, food to the world and we're already in 
kind of a situation where there's actual food shortages and it's probably going to get worse. Um, so, I mean, it's weird to me now that we're, we still haven't dug out of the hole of COVID and they're already doubling down on their stupid climate and environmental policies. And I mean, they've always been kind of doomsday. If we don't do something right now, we're going to be crossing past the point of no return. And I don't really buy that. Um, but I mean, why are we trusting the, the people that are in charge of environment stuff are the same people that were in charge of COVID and the places that had the best results were the ones that were more hands off the, the more, I mean, or they just go crazy like China and are just monstrous tyrannical policies. But the people that were wrong about lockdowns, they were wrong about closing schools they were wrong about giving people tickets for wearing not wearing masks outside. They were wrong about the stupid stickers on the floor at the grocery store. They were wrong about face masks. They were wrong about wearing the shields. They were wrong about how effective and what the effects of the vaccines were and how long they'll last. I, they were wrong about, well, they kind of stopped talking about where COVID came from. There was a while where it was a wild conspiracy theory that this might have came from a lab. And then they were like, yeah, probably, maybe. But I haven't heard anything about it since that acknowledgement. Nobody seems to be really looking into it. Um, but these people were wrong about all of it. And we're finding out every, we're living in it. The consequences of the lockdowns and the school closures and shutting down the economy and printing piles of cash and sending out free money to people who were forced to not work. We're living through that right now. We've got inflation. Um, food shortages hasn't really been an issue in my life that I've noticed, but elsewhere in the world, I think it's more of an issue and I'm not going to be surprised if it, if things get worse here. But um, none of it helped. All of the studies show that all of these interventions with COVID did more harm than good. And we're still not done dealing with the consequences of it. And it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. So that's why I don't trust anybody to any government to beat with these heavy handed laws and regulations that are supposed to save the world. I just don't, I don't buy it. They're not good at fixing problems. They're not as good as, as a market. If they, if they want less livestock, then these people need to, instead of, uh, I think they had $25.6 billion of money to just throw at this problem. So some of it is, I'm not sure, some of it is to just pay off farmers to not do their job, which, again, we're seeing the results of that every day right now. Um, I mean, if you've got 26 billion American dollars to throw around at this, how about a campaign where you convinced people to eat less beef and dairy? And all that stuff. That 
you need to you need to go after the demand, not the production. If there's no demand, nobody's going to make this stuff. And if it becomes less profitable for the farmers to make cows than it is for them to make wheat, then that's something that they're going to do on their own voluntarily, just through self-preservation. So first off, stop subsidizing your special little, this is what we want your farm to make. That throws off, that's not a free market, that throws off all of the incentives. Um, the more intervention there is, it it kind of removes the the market forces that tell people how to allocate resources. Um, so anyway, it's just they're they're not they're not going into trying to convince people to stop buying certain products because it's objectively bad for the environment. They're not really investing into uh, like technologies and innovations that could kind of whatever the problem with there being too much nitrogen in the soil is anybody where is some of that 26 billion dollars going towards technologies that help the soil cope with the extra nitrogen or to somehow pull it out of the ground i don't know doesn't seem to be the case but it just it just seems weird that in the middle of there are food restrictions in a lot of places in the world right now, and some it's being blamed on on Russia, but a big chunk of it is also just bad policies that happened down that happened over covid um so I don't know maybe maybe it would be better if because the you know the argument is that uh these these dairy and cattle and beef farmers are exporting a lot of stuff but they're also at least according to the lady in this interview they're also importing a bunch of stuff so if they're bringing in a bunch of crops to feed the cows to get sent out it's kind of a net it's not really a net gain if they just grew the crops directly then that would eliminate some of the cattle problem and you know, all of the problems that go with shipping this stuff around the world. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I was going to I was going to play the video, but it's not very exciting. It's only a short clip. You can find it on Twitter. But apparently the Dutch police uh, fired a couple of shots at uh, at at a 16 year old driving a tractor at one of these protests. He's OK. But anyway, that video exists. You can find it on your own. Um, and uh don't have a whole lot of time left, but you know, I went into a little bit of a conspiracy rabbit hole, and uh, this is unverified. Some of this is, you know, Infowars stuff. I would argue that Alex Jones is probably more right more often than most of the people that were in charge with our COVID policies, for the record. But uh, it is being said on the internet that the brother of the Dutch minister who's in charge of this that came up with this new rule. His brother owns uh, uh, this uh, this grocery chain called uh, Picnic, who's big on like selling plant protein stuff, and they have like a fleet of electric vehicles. And their lead investor, you guessed it, Bill Gates, six hundred million dollars. He's got into that. So conflict of interest, maybe. Um, some people burned down one of these picnic, uh, grocery stores recently, uh, that has something to do with this. So somebody's 
connecting some dots. Whether those dots should be connected, I don't know. I uh, I don't get paid enough money to find out whether any of this is true. Um, I've also this this also. I mean, you sound like a crazy person talking about the World Economic Forum, but I mean, this is creating food shortages. Uh, you know, they're trying to push us to eat bugs, which I'll give it a try, but it shouldn't be forced on me. Um, and, uh, last week also sort of related, apparently unverified. I trust it though. Uh, apparently the UN had an article on their website about the benefits of world hunger that they've quietly removed. So anyway, if you want to dig into that rabbit hole, that's that's there on the internet if you want to look into that. I don't know what's going on with Picnic. Seems sketchy, though. That's my official take. So anyway, show's almost over. Come see me at Punchlines this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm going to get cut off. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. St. John Forward Radio every Monday, 9 to 10. Good night. <laughs> Bust down, roll it, dash, fuck a ice grill Flood another nigga block off a of white hill Spin your block, hundred shots, that's a light drill Plug on the trillion, watch, check my light bill He thought he had a